Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning. It is the 10th of November. All right, I'm going to lead off with a headline uh, this morning out of Nicaragua. And my reason for this is um, because Central America is frankly just not that far away. In fact, Paul Perot has just returned from Hello. Honduras. I'm back. <laughs> Yay, let there be much rejoicing. Yes. Um, Paul, yeah. uh, Honduras was uh, is just north of Nicaragua. Correct. So I just thought that I would um, share this today. Uh, because not everything is as it might seem on the surface. Daniel Ortega, now 75 years old, just won his fourth consecutive term as president of Nicaragua. That extends the rule of the longest serving, I'm going to use the word leader here, uh, you might use the word dictator, in the Americas. His vice president is his wife, and they won their election on Sunday by a landslide, in no small part because over the past decade, Daniel Ortega has passed a series of laws criminalizing dissent and um, putting many of his political opponents in jail for treason. And so polling locations on Sunday, which was the only day you could go and vote, um, were flooded with police and military officers. It was a certainly a hostile and threatening environment. And even if you did vote for an alternative candidate, they all uh, are people who support Ortega and um, would have conceded victory to him even if. He hadn't won. So there you go. So although the international community condemns the election as a sham, the dictatorship of Daniel Ortega is going to continue. So let me just encourage you to be praying the news this morning um, over the people of Nicaragua. It's home to more than six million souls. It's situated, as I said, just south of Honduras, just north of Costa Rica in Central America, which puts it just uh, a smidge, a smidge Beyond 2,000 miles from the U.S. border, uh, I guess it depends which part of the U.S. border you're looking at, um, which the average family in Nicaragua survives on less than $2,000 a year. So 2,000 miles to the U.S. border or trying to live as a family on $2,000 or the equivalent of $2,000 a year in a place governed by a dictator. So this might help you understand why people are trying to come to the United States of America in any way they can. Okay, uh, 855,000, 855,000 just shy of, well, it's about 150,000 people shy of a million. Uh, That is the number of people who became naturalized U.S. citizens in fiscal year, uh, so far in fiscal year 2021. But I think that will be the total number because I don't think that there will be any further um, ceremonies between now and year end. So we'll see how that holds up. Um, all right. What else to tell you before we get to our conversation with our friend Daryl Crouch? Um, let me just talk about Christmas shopping, grocery shopping and travel plans, because the price of everything, I know you already know this because you've been to the grocery and you've been to the gas station. It's not your imagination. The price of everything is actually going up. Wholesale prices at the end of October 
surged 8.6% year over year. So, you know, they look at the number in October 2020, and then they look at the number in October 2021, and they do the math, and the difference is an 8.6% increase in wholesale prices year over year. It is the highest year-over-year increase recorded by the federal government since it started tracking this kind of data. Um, And so the Labor Department reported these numbers on Tuesday. It's bad news for consumers. That would be you and me um, who, you know, watch those prices climb and are trying to do the math on everything from, uh, you know, the the, the plans that we're making for, like, travel and turkey dinner for Thanksgiving and then also Christmas shopping and those kinds of things. So that is going to be... Uh, something we're going to closely watch and consider as we, um, you know, move forward as a people. All right, here is uh, uh, here is my conversation starter with Daryl Crouch. I am going to ask him if he has his own apron and his own favorite cookie recipe. I watched the Food Network's Holiday Baking Championship, and I got me it got me thinking like, what's the recipe for making a disciple? And who is coming on the show who I could ask about disciple making and the ingredients and the recipe they follow? We're all supposed to be making disciples, so how do we do that? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Hey, Carmen. Great to talk to you so early about cookies. I love that. I know, right? I feel like there's probably a cookie song out there. Um, and Paul is probably now looking for a cookie song. I feel like it, there's like <laughs> a sure VeggieTales cookie song. I feel like there's a cookie there song. Is. There is. Yeah. yeah. It's a Christmas yeah. one, too. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anyway, I'll get we'll to it. See us for, I give you something for to cookie. do. I, I get mm-hmm. C is for cookie, remember? That's like uh, a Sesame, Sesame Street. Street. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, Daryl Crouch is joining us this morning, um, and I am going to assume that he is a at least a master Christmas cookie eater, if not mm-hmm. a Christmas cookie baker. And today's holiday baking challenge uh, begins. So <laughs> you're standing on the set, you have your apron on, and the challenge is presented. Make a disciple with the raw ingredients that you have on hand right now and present them to the judge before time runs out. How do you like that? Wow, How that, do you like that, that as is, a setup? That is so good. This is Wednesday morning, um, uh, Carmen, so that's pretty strong. Um, you know, and, and He's just, just like your dog. That's a lot of fun. Only and, bigger. Uh, but I just would say hey, what we have. Are you hearing about. a Clifford ad in the background? That was weird. <laughs> my mistake. That's sorry. so weird. That's okay. All right. <laughs> that's awesome. So am I supposed to be spiritual here, or I'm not really sure, but... Yeah, I think uh, let's let's uh, talk about disciple making. Like, right there yeah, are yeah. Th- there are some raw ingredients, um, or there are some ingredients that you know go into this process. Maybe you have a recipe that you found useful over the years, and maybe there are some adaptations that have to be made because every person is unique. Yeah, that's so good. And uh, I was having a conversation with a mutual friend of ours a few days ago about just this thing and. And uh, as we, as it relates to social media and how we engage with one another and just what we're seeing and a bit of anemia when it comes to, to disciple making and um, uh, the uh, development of, of faithful Jesus followers and how we engage in the public square. And of course, you do that uh, all the time so well and talk about that. But in that, in that kitchen, around that kitchen island, as we pound this out, we really do possess uh, 
in us the spirit of the living God. Uh, the first ingredient for making a disciple is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Mm-hmm. You um, do not need to go to the bookstore right away. You do not need to uh, go online and find uh, the, the latest download. Uh, Jesus, as a follower of Christ, you, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And he is at work to um, uh, obviously sanctify you, but he works through you and me to... Um, influence and, and um, bring other people um, into the presence of God and uh, lead them and show them who Jesus is. And so I would say sometimes we feel intimidated um, to say, listen, I'm a disciple maker. Um, we, that seems a bit overwhelming, but I just want to encourage everyone who's listening um, that uh, you possess everything you need in Christ to do what he has called you to do. And so that's the first uh, word of encouragement. The second, oh, that is so good. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's just so good. No, I think we had to linger there for a moment. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah me too. I, I possess, yeah, I mean, you know, what you're saying is I possess, and I want listeners to sort of own this, I possess everything that is necessary for what Christ has already, you know, called and sent me out there to do, which is to make another disciple because I'm possessed of Christ himself. Like, that's what you're saying. Like, I possess Absolutely. everything that I need because I'm possessed of Christ himself. I'm, I mean, you know, Christ in, Christ in yeah. me, me in Christ. Yeah. That, that's right. That's all that's necessary. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and I think when we understand that as redeemed followers of Christ, uh, we, have, we have experienced new life in Christ that we now get to give away. And uh, as ministers of reconciliation, as ambassadors for Christ, that, that we have been authorized and sanctified. When Jesus said in Matthew 28, the last thing he said there that we often quote with the Great Commission is, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. And, and so his presence with us is the greatest um, asset, may not be the best word, but the greatest resource that we have. Um, as we live out the mission of Jesus in our homes and in our workplace and in the public square. That is such great encouragement this morning. Um, you know, lest we forget that the Great Commission isn't about, uh, isn't about our going and doing something. Um, first and foremost, it is about our being in Christ, Christ being in us as he goes forth um, into the world that he so loves to invite other people into a reconciled relationship with the Father through the Son by the power of the Spirit. We get to be agents of that grace, ministers of that reconciling love, um, ambassadors of that king and that kingdom. Wow, what joy. Um, All right, we're going to continue our conversation with Daryl Crouch in just a minute. I'm going to ask him what his favorite Christmas cookie or dessert is, whether or not he has his own apron. I mean, you know, the penetrating questions of the day. I want you to be thinking about if you have your own, like, favorite recipe and or recipe collection? Are there recipe cards you get out this time of year that don't make their way out any other point in the year? Who wrote those? Whose handwriting are they in? What's written on our hearts today? All of that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Oh, Santa, I can't wait for you to come. I just can't wait for you to come. And I've got cookies, three yummy cookies, just for you. For See, I knew, Paul, you are, you are back. You're officially back. I'm back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the cookie song. 
All right, Daryl, do you have your own um, apron and or recipe collection? Is there a recipe box? Do you have a card in there for something you love you only pull out once a year? Gosh, you know, we're really boring, I think. I mean, we do some traditions and we do some things, but uh, I do have an apron that I use occasionally. I will have to say it's not super used and it doesn't need to be washed very often, but I do have Is it one. for grilling? Is it is it actually for yeah. grilling? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's for when I'm outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm not I, I'm in the kitchen a lot. I do a lot of dishes. I do. A, I do I help with the cooking. So I'm all in. But um, and on the cookie thing, I'm really a, I'm a traditionalist. A chocolate chip cookie. Uh, I've tried other things. I mean, I've gone in all kinds of, you know, pumpkin stuff and and it's not all terrible, but there's just <laughs> nothing like a warm uh, chocolate chip cookie with a cold glass of milk so that so, uh, that i mean that's even a good breakfast if somebody's getting started this morning so there oh no definitely it's all all the food groups are represented in a piece of chocolate cake or in a good chocolate chip cookie there's no, no Absol- question about it absolutely. um so uh i'm baking cookies tomorrow night for a fundraiser this weekend um for the the, the special needs folks uh at the school here in my community and um, so I have all of the supplies. They're you know aggregating all of the supplies on the dining yeah. room table because I have to get organized in advance, or I will be in the middle of it and be like vanilla. Who? What? What? Yeah. Where? Where is? Where is that item? So um, yeah. So I'm a person who you know works out works out the plan in advance, gathers the ingredients, and then you know executes uh, when the window of time presents itself. When we think about making a disciple. Um, you know, the primary essential ingredient is Christ in us, right? That we're going we're gonna to walk in life with another person, and they are going to see the pattern of our life as a disciple of Jesus. And that is going to be the primary way they are going to understand what a disciple looks like and how to become one. Um, but I'm thinking that, you know, there are some other parts of that process as well that we might talk about bringing to bear. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, that's key. And that's first, certainly the word of God is primary to our, uh, knowing God, knowing how to represent God, walking in Christ. He has revealed himself in his word. And so, um, I know this may be a, a bit old school for some people or, or, um, a known it's, it's a, it's a known thing, but it still amazes me that the God who inspired the Bible and the Holy Spirit who moved the authors to provide the Bible, to, to record the, the words of God and to write the heart of God there in, on, in, in text, is the same Holy Spirit who then um, has preserved it over the years, over the centuries. And then is this Holy, the same Holy Spirit who, when we read it, teaches us and interprets it for us and writes it on our hearts. And then that same Holy Spirit is the one who helps to empower us to live this word of God out. And so as we think about making disciples, it's easy for us to say, to think of it in a transactional way, that we've talked to somebody about Jesus, they've accepted what we've said, they've accepted the gospel, or they have rejected it, and then we're either we're finished one way or the other. Uh, it's a it's a green light or it's a red light. And either way, we're, we're kind of moving on in a kind of a transactional environment. They bought it. Uh, they have it now. And we're going to go sell it to somebody else. And uh, that's a tremendously terrible way to think about disciple making. And so as we think about the word of God and 
walking in the word and allowing the word of God to wash over us every day so that we know this God of creation who stamped his image on our hearts and has uh, given, a, given us purpose and meaning and a f forever family in the church and given us an eternal home in heaven and allowed us to be a part of his kingdom activity, uh, it becomes much less transactional and much more um, transformational in our lives and then in how we live out in the different spheres of influence that we have. And so th there is no disciple making apart from the word of God and the spirit of God doing what he's always done through the centuries and every believer that's ever come to Christ, he has written his word on our hearts and then he has empowered us to live out his word um, in our in our season, in our um, spheres of influence. So I... Um... I did a little market research on this holiday uh, baking championship before you and I talked. <clears throat> my market research took place uh, around my dinner table last night. So there you go. Um, and yeah. I just asked this question, like, what do you guys think are the ingredients, um, you know, for making a disciple? And because – so the Holy Spirit, I will just acknowledge to you, did not – did I mean, my kids didn't come up with that. Like, right? They didn't say, oh, you know, the Holy Spirit in in us is the – is what people are going to see as we live mm -hmm. as people of peace or whatever. So, but because they live with me, um, one of them did say fruit salad. And so I thought I would offer that this morning um, as a whimsical way of thinking about this because it came from um, a child's perspective last night at my dinner table. What would you, you know, if we're going to talk about a holiday baking championship, and we're going to talk about discipleship, like what comes to mind and Matthew said fruit salad. Now, by that, he means this, this, that's like this, like, secret reference to the passage in Galatians, which talks about what's the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so we talk about that in our family as fruit salad, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, um, and that all of these are supposed to be evident in abundance and you know, like, right, this is the, the evidence of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. in our lives. This is the fruit. And so um, bring your fruit salad to this holiday baking championship would maybe be a part of the conversation. And maybe that has to look like a fruit cake because I don't know that fruit salad is a baking thing. But there you go. So um, I do think that when we talk about, when we have this conversation, sometimes we make it like so... Um, cardboard like like it's like a it's like a cracker that's like lost all of its flavor and even most of its snap it's like a smushy cracker it's not it's not it's a fruit salad it's a delight it's a it's full of whimsy and love and joy and so i just want to throw that in as well that we're allowed to you know put the sugar on top right that's so good absolutely and and it is a joy and the the spirit of god uh, does that in us. And I love the fruit salad thing, by the way. That's awesome. And I think uh, to think of what God is doing in our lives, he has redeemed us. I mean, Psalm 67, let the let the nations be glad and rejoice. We are we're bringing some good news of great of, of glad tidings to all people. And and it really is good news of great joy. And so I think um, we do think of disciple making, at least in the tribes I come from, um, we think of disciple making as an educational process. And mm -hmm. so we learn some material and we disseminate material and we pass the test and that we're able to win, you know, Bible trivia at the 
at the Christmas party. And so um, I think uh, we've thought of it more as gaining information. Uh, and that is very important. And we need to learn how to properly interpret the scripture and uh, apply those uh, principles well as we uh, walk through the Bible. But um, but the, the, the product, what God produces is exactly what you said. It's fruit salad. And uh, there's a lot of sugar on top and there's a lot of fun and there's a lot of joy. And if anything, um, the people of God should reflect that um, to a watching world who is obviously desperately looking for that kind of joy. Thank you for helping us taste and see that the Lord is good this morning. Um, we've loved this time together, uh, and we look forward to more holiday conversations with you as, uh, as we move into Thanksgiving and into the season of Advent and Christmas. We love talking with you. Thanks so much, Daryl. Well, love being with you. You're a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. It's, uh, it's mutual. It's mutual. <laughs> All right, you guys can uh, check out what Daryl's working on at Everyone's Wilson. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. That's good enough for me. C is for cookie. That's good enough for me. All right, I love that music that Paul's playing right now. Um, We had a conversation a while back with Terry Wildman about the First Nations version of the Bible. Um, And during this First Nations Heritage Month, Native American Heritage Month, um, we thought it would be great to have Terry back and do a little follow-up. So if you missed the first conversation, you can find it at MyFaithRadio.com under the Mornings with Carmen tab. uh, And um, you can look for the podcast of of the first conversation we had with Terry Wildman. Um, And let me just remind us that the Word of God is powerful. It is effective. And we need to hear it in a language that we can understand. And so I want you to think for just a moment, what's your favorite translation of the Bible? What's the one you understood first? What's the one you use devotionally? What's the one you used for your time of in-depth study? And then how do you hear the Word of God? How do you hear the voice of God? How do you hear the author of the Bible? In your own tongue, in your own language, like how does that come to you? Terry Wildman, up next. The internet brings all sorts of good things into our lives. And for the most part, our kids haven't known anything but an internet-connected life. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Though we know the upsides of the internet, I'm sure you're all too aware of the downsides as well. I'm thinking about the issue of pornography and its availability in abundance. For a son or daughter who's grown up with access to the web, searching for inappropriate pictures is easy and common. This is a deep issue and deserves attention on your part, Mom and Dad. Perhaps start by having an honest conversation with your kid. Maybe put the computer in the living room instead of a child's bedroom. But whatever you do, take advantage of the benefits of the Internet and don't be blindsided by the problems it can create. Want to hear Mark in person? For a list of upcoming events, go to parentingtodaysteens.org. We're thrilled to have back with us today Terry Wildman. We talked with Terry on a prior occasion about the First Nations version of the Bible. Terry, welcome back. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me back. 
So remind everyone who may not have heard our conversation the first time, tell us about the First Nations version of the Bible and maybe um, tell us, you know, how people have responded to the launch. Well, the First Nation version of the Bible is a, a new translation worded in English for Native American people, First Nations people. So the First Nation version New Testament was envisioned by myself and then created by a group of Native American First Nation believers in Jesus. And so I know that um, one of the things that people are interested to know is what would the scriptures sound like uh, if we were to hear them in in a language of, of an indigenous people group? And so um, is there any chance, Terry, that you could just read me a couple of verses of scripture in um, in your native language? Sure. Uh, well, in my own native language, I don't uh, speak my language. That's part of the reason we did this in English. So see, I think that's Many helpful our... for people to know, right? See, I that right yeah. there, that it's a lost, There, there's a reason that the this Bible is, is in English. So can you just talk a little bit about that? Because that feels like a huge loss to not know what the language would have sounded like. That's true. Probably only about 90, uh, or excuse me, 10% of our Native people still speak their language in it with any fluency, hmm. and uh, and even less can read our language. And this is because of generations of government assimilation policies that were participated in by many church and mission organizations. Most First Nations people will not read their tribal language. So the First Nation version provides an English Bible that connects in a culturally relevant way to the traditional heart languages of over, of over 6 million English-speaking First Nations people here in Turtle Island, what we call North America. Hmm. Okay, so we do have, um, let's say, the scriptures in in Hopi. So you were serving um, as a pastor on a reservation in Arizona, the Hopi Reservation, and you found, I mean, a little bit like, you know, I think the rediscovery of the law in the in the back uh, part of the temple in the Old Testament, you discovered <laughs> um, this Hopi translation of the New Testament. Um, just tell me a little bit about that experience and, and sort of how that led to the conversation we're having today. Yeah, so my wife and I lived for five years on the Hopi uh, reservation there in Northern Arizona. And we uh, we were using a, a regular new international version Bible in our churches. But one day I was in our uh, at our church there on Second Mesa uh, called Sunlight Mission. We uh, I was in the storehouse uh, uh, kind of looking through things, being Snoopy. And I found a box and I opened it up and it had the Hopi New Testament, written in the Hopi language. And I was excited. I, I wanted to find someone who could kind of read it to me and interpret it for me and give me a feel for how it sounded in Hopi. And uh, I couldn't find anyone who could read it or understand it. And that mm -hmm. was kind of the beginning of the journey. Uh, you know, that was back in 2003. It was the beginning of my journey that eventually led to us doing an English version worded for native people. Okay, so let's hear um let's hear a passage some reading um from this First Nations Bible so people can get a sense of it because there's also a a cadence to this. It's not it's not just the words on the page. There's a cadence in the way that it's spoken. Sure, I'll read Ephesians 4:22 through 24. 
Take off that worn out and stained outfit of your past life with its selfish desires and worthless ways of thinking. It no longer represents who you are. You are now true human beings with a new way of seeing and thinking. Put on the regalia of your new life, for you have been made, you have been made new, created again to look like the one who made you, standing in a good way and walking a true and sacred path. I love the feedback that you've received from um, from younger people as you have shared this with them. They they say that this sounds like their elders telling them a story, um, and there's just a part of that that warms my heart. I feel like that's you know, that's the way scripture is supposed to feel. It's supposed to feel like you know it is it is the wisdom of of God passed through generations, um, you know, transmitted through one generation of believers to another. So talk talk with me about how young people in particular have received this? Well, the uh, w- what's been amazing is both young and old have given us positive feedback on this. Elders like it because it reminds them of when they were children, mm. and young people like it because it reconnects them to their to their elders and to that feel that some of them had when their their grandpa. Uh, told them stories that maybe at the breakfast table uh, some of them has said to us. But Native American stories were traditionally told in ways that are unique to the storyteller and meaningful to the listeners. They drew from history, tradition, and experience. So a storyteller ensures the essence of the story is preserved without the need to present a strict word-for-word recital. So that's how we approach the First Nation version, more in a storytelling form. We tried to capture that cadence and feel. And most people have told us that that's how it works, especially when you read it out loud. Yeah, I think the reading out loud is essential to this to this whole project. So the First Nations version of the Bible um, is what we're talking about today with Terry Wildman. Um, when we come back from a very brief break, I'm actually going to ask Terry to reflect with us on First Nations Heritage Month or, Nash, or the National American Indian Heritage Month. We're going to talk about some of those words. And yeah, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. So picking up in our conversation with Terry Wildman. Um, Terry, talk with me a little bit about Native American Heritage Month or First Nations Heritage Month, um, and talk with me a little bit about the language as well. Well, um, Native Americans or... Yeah, I think when we say Native American, I think the confusion, I'll just go ahead and say that the confusion is, what am I supposed to say? What language am I supposed to use? Is it still okay to talk about Indian Americans? Am I supposed to say Native Americans? Am I supposed to say... First Nations people, like, can you just help me out? Get help me get on the right side uh, linguistically. Of course. When I lived on the Hopi Indian Reservation, I, I, I went to an elder one time, and I was talking with him, and I used the word First Nations, and he says, "What?" And I said, First Nations." He goes, "You know, Native Americans." He goes, "Oh, is that what they're calling us now?" And so. <laughs> It depends on where you are. It depends on what group of Native people you're around. um, It depends on how they've been raised. So, you know, Native American is generally accepted. 
But on the reservations, for the most part, our experience has been Native people call themselves Indians. It's mm -hmm. kind of it's kind of stuck there. And so you really have to gauge who you're around and kind of feel people out on those issues. Yeah, that's really helpful. All right, so let's talk about um, this particular month in terms of a Heritage Month. What are some of the things going on and where can people you know, find information and connect um, with some, some good things happening in Native American Heritage Month? Wow. Uh, you caught me off guard there. Um, oh, well, that's all right. Kind of gear I'm just kind of gearing up myself. But, you know, Native American Heritage Month it has been recognized by our government. Uh, my wife and I had uh, one time we're traveling in Germany and uh, doing some Native American storytelling on a U.S. base in Germany. And it was during November. And I remember walking into they took us to feed us at the local uh, place where the where the uh, soldiers eat. And as we entered in, there was a big sign with a beautiful picture of a native person in their regalia. And it said Native American Heritage Month. And I, I thought, wow, here I am in Germany and there's I'm seeing more honoring, even even though it's U.S. here than I normally see when I'm in the States. And we found this kind of to be true that that we're more, in, in a sense, received and well accepted outside of the United States, outside of North America than we are here in North America. Um, Native American Heritage Month is is celebrated by some Native people. Uh, it's good that it's recognized, but you're going to find different opinions about that across the board. Uh, um, personally, I, I think it's a good time to raise awareness um, and, and, uh, and listen to Native voices. But I don't often see that happening. You know, uh, I don't often see the government or on television or in uh, on radios where uh, they invite a native voice in to speak like you guys are doing. This is good that you've got someone speaking about our native people because we have a lot to offer and we have some stories to tell that might surprise people about the history of our nation and how we see things. So um, I, I guess that, that gives you a little bit of a feel uh, that there are different perspectives on it because we're we're over we're hundreds of different tribes and all of us have a little bit different experience in the way we've experienced our relationship with the United States government. So I want you to tell us, um, tell us a story, give us a little sense of history uh, from your perspective um, and, and maybe how you see Thanksgiving. Well, Thanksgiving, uh, you know, the, the original story uh, has some, has some beautiful aspects to it um, that the settlers came here and the native, uh, they were struggling, and the native people stepped in to help them, to welcome them, to feed them, to show them how to how to survive in a new environment that they were in. And there was there was a, a some a, a dinner, a meal where they came together in a good way. You know, if I like that story, I like the story because it tells about how things should be. Unfortunately, those things didn't follow through. You know, uh, Pennsylvania, William Penn uh, had a very good relationship with our Native people. For 70 years, they lived in peace in Pennsylvania. There, there was a, a, a good treaty. The King of England was, was behind it. 
and the villagers uh, lived together with some with non-native people, with the settlers in peace. Some there were some native villages, there were some just settler villages, but there was no wars, there was no fighting, there was no uh, anything like that for seventy years. So, in some places, it was done right, but it didn't last. And you know, if we're going to tell this story, if we're going to understand Thanksgiving. We need to see it as something that should be and something that we all want to move toward and that we all want to uh, see healing and reconciliation and understand not just kind of the mythical uh, story with uh, with the pictures of Native people and stuff, but, but maybe a little bit bigger picture. And then, of course, we need to give thanks to the Creator. Our Native people have always believed in a great spirit, a, a powerful being who created everything and rules over everything. And so we always gave thanks to him. So that's a common way to do that. My family and other Native families I know celebrate Thanksgiving um, in a very similar way that other people do. Um, but we also, uh, there are also some who don't. And um, and I think we need to listen and understand and find out why some of them don't. So we thought as a Thanksgiving activity that one of the things that we would do around our table um, is um, we have collected some arrowheads from the river uh, right where we live. And we just thought we would have a conversation about the Yuchi, the Shawnee, and I can't even pronounce um the Cherokee in its correct way, but it's the East version of the Cherokee. Um, and we just thought that as a family, we would have that conversation around our Thanksgiving table and give um, particular thanks for the land upon which we live. I mean, we actually have evidence, physical evidence that, you know, there were people here long before us because we have these, you know, we have these evidences of, um, um, of, you know, bone and uh, and rock that is clearly formed and shaped to make arrowheads. So I hope that that seems like a thing that would be honoring. Well, honoring, um, mo- most Native people understand, even sometimes when people don't actually do things exactly in the right way, if their heart's right, that's what's mm-hmm. important. And what I'm feeling with you is that your heart is that you want your family to understand. You want you want to present these arrowheads as as uh, as proof that native people here were here before us. Mm-hmm. You know, to take it a step farther might be to to try to find out is there a Thanksgiving powwow in the area mm. where you live? And, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to find out. Yes, and and so and actually meet some native people. And actually, um, maybe uh, make some friendships, and then and then maybe next Thanksgiving, you share together a meal, a community meal with Native people and non-Native people, and then talk about these things. Okay, I love it. You can just go to calendar.powwows.com, and you can find out if there is um, if there's a Thanksgiving powwow near you. Okay, that's really cool. Okay, and the answer is yes. I don't know where Wartburg, Tennessee is, but I'm going to track it down. Oh, that is such a fun idea. Terry, thank you. Um, thank you so very much for encouraging us, inspiring us. Your patience with us is so great, and we genuinely appreciate it. Going to invite people to check out the First Nations version of the Bible. 
Um, and please explore. There are all kinds of online resources where you can find out, you know, what native land am I on right now? You can put any zip code uh, in, in and it will tell you, like, who are the native people who lived where you're standing right now? Um, and then, uh, you know, as Terry said, take it a step further. Let's all find a way to connect with uh, Native Americans in our own communities and become friends and tell stories and learn from one another. Terry Wildman, thank you so much again for joining us today. Miigwech. Thank you for listening. Mm, absolutely. We'll be right back. texting with me this morning on the text line, which just a reminder, you can always do as well during the show, 877-933-2484. The first time we had Terry Wildman on the show, Scott went ahead and downloaded um, the, or connected himself to um, the Bible that we were discussing. um, And he listened to the book of Matthew on the road in reading mode on his phone. So first of all, good job on all of that. I asked Scott to tell us what his experience of that Um, had been. And he says, well, I liked it in the sense that I felt it was culturally relevant. Having read other versions for so long, it was a little tedious for me to listen, trying to figure out where I was in the text. Yep, that's exactly right. So you have to, it is a a disciplined listening when we are listening to the Bible in a different version than the one that we have grown most accustomed to. He goes on to say, I liked that Hebrew names were translated into plain English, a painstaking task in itself so that we could ponder the meaning of them, but it also makes it hard for people already familiar with the story to follow. Yep, I totally get that 100%. So you see the value of listening um, to the Bible in a a different translation or different version than the one you're most familiar with. It gets us thinking more deeply about the text. It's actually going to get us into the text more fully. So the First Nations version of the Bible might be an interesting experience for you to engage in during this month of November, maybe around your Thanksgiving table, just might be a fun exercise um, to, you know, connect us with the history and the heritage of the people and the place where we live um, as North Americans. Um, All right. So I want to encourage you to get into the word of God today before you get out there into the world that God so loves. If you're looking for a particular text, I would say on the topic we just discussed, how about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, picking up at verse 16? Because it's all about the perspective, the worldview, how we see things, how we talk about things. we got another hour up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.